Hello, welcome to Well Balanced Life. I'm so glad you're here because today's topic is on something that is very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's the reason I do what I do and it's what guides me to continue doing this um, and allows me to be my most creative when working with others. So that topic is connection. So please stay with me if you love someone who appears to struggle with connecting with others or showing affection. Um, I'm sure you've heard the description before for someone living with autism where it looks like they seem to be in their own world. If you didn't know already, I'm Melanie, a mom of three adult children, one diagnosed with autism and some other things. Um, I'm a registered social service worker, a developmental service worker and sign language communicator, and a soon to be graduate of the family and community social services degree. So I have some personal and professional experience uh, working with kids and adults with developmental disabilities. And our daughter Gracie is the one who normally joins me on the podcast and every once in a while I do this on my own so I can get a little bit more in depth with things. So Gracie struggled with attachment issues due to the adoption but also struggled with connecting due to her autism. So when she was little, we rarely if ever at first, got any eye contact whatsoever. Now she did do the opposite um, of not engaging with others by going to every person, like including strangers, just trying to sit on their lap, even hug them, grabbing things from them, accepting things from them. She would go with anybody and everybody, but still not really connecting. Uh, that would have more to do with the attachment issues, which I could do another podcast too on that side of things, but um, as far as Gracie connecting with us, she would let me hold her, um, but anything that kind of looked like affection, it was basically her just getting one of her needs met. So she would sit on my lap if she wanted to be at the table with everyone and playing with whatever's on the table. She would let me rock her in the rocking chair as long as she had a bottle. Uh, that was probably our most, I want to say connecting times, but for her I think it was just she was connecting with her bottle and I was connecting with her. Um, and again, as far as the adoption piece goes, we kept the exact same routine every single night for a good year. That was the advice that was given to us by our adoption worker where, you know, it was, um, we would do the same routine where she would have her bath, we would get her jammies on, I would give her a bottle, rock her in her rocking chair um, while giving her the bottle, and then brush her teeth, story, and then bed. And that was only Erin and I for the first year, um, just so that she could learn to bond with us. Uh, but like I said, it seemed to be more of her connecting with her bottle um, and us developing that relationship with her. So she was how you would describe, though, someone being in her own world. Um, she was interested in whatever caught her interest, and especially she was hyper-focused on something. Nobody else mattered. Um, she definitely, definitely loved items more than affection. At least that's how we perceived it. Um, and when we talk to her now, she would probably be mortified to hear that she loved her Scooby-Doo <laughs> stuffed animal more than her mom. <laughs> um, so to develop a relationship or make a connection with either Gracie or the kids that I worked with at school, we used two different things. Um, 
One is called floor time method and the other one is relationship development intervention. So some of the kids that I've worked with, I've had some kids who would love to just lay on the floor. They put their head at a certain angle so that they could see the tar so that they could see the toy car um, at a certain angle and they would push it as hard as they could to crash it into blocks. Or there was someone who liked to hold their stuffies or ribbons or certain toys while tapping the side of their face with them. I had kids who loved to spin and could do that for a very long time without falling. And then I had others who enjoyed lining things up or driving their toy train around the entire room. There was someone who liked to recite a joke or a line from a favorite movie or a TV show um, or do little riddles. They would say the first part of the riddle and they would want you to say the second part. Um, so one thing, and this is where I say this is really close to my heart, is that it's the connection. The connection that I get, not just with Gracie, but with the connection that I've had with the students that I've worked with is the most incredible feeling on the planet. So you can imagine a parent who wants nothing more than to receive a hug or eye contact or even having the words or a sign or a gesture that their child loves them. Um, that can be pretty devastating to not have that connection with their child. But what I do find is one thing that happens in our world is we try to make everyone fit in the same box. We are constantly trying to get our kids to learn to socialize, to play appropriately, and I'm saying that with air quotes, um, you know, teaching them how to do pretend play or drive their to toy cars instead of crashing them or to build things or play house. Often our kids with autism are viewed by others as not knowing how to play. And that's the total opposite. Their play just might look a little bit differently. And it's the same thing that I've said to Gracie all these years too with her learning. It doesn't mean that she can't learn. Having autism does not mean she can't learn. It just means she learns a different way and that's no different with the play. But if we think about our friend groups, even as adults, all of us who are neurotypical, as they say, um, you know, if we look at who our friend groups are, who are the ones that you connect with the most? It's usually people who have similar likes and values, common interests, um, you know, that's, that's who we connect with for the most part. I'm not saying that you can't be total opposites and not have a connection, that does happen too. But oftentimes we at least have some common interest and we meet people at those activities that we might have in common. So if we want to connect with our child, our student, cousin, niece, nephew, do what they are doing. Like just take a look and join in their play. Um, and I, I say that knowing that it's not as easy <laughs> As I say, um, easier said than done, but it can be done. So if they're spinning, spin with them, right? You can just start that parallel play with them. If they're crashing the cars, crash the cars with them. If they're laying on the floor, lay on the floor, right? You get the idea, it's just joining in on whatever it is they're doing. And I wouldn't say um, being very, in, I wouldn't recommend being intrusive in that. Um, start off with the parallel play, just kind of copy whatever it is that they're doing beside you. And honestly, every single time that I've done this, whether it was with Gracie or with the student, the second that I join in very close to the, to the child that I'm working with, and I do the same thing that they are doing, I would 
say 99% of the time I've gotten eye contact from somebody that I normally wouldn't get eye contact from. Um, at least they look over and I get a smile or a grin or just an interest. Like I've piqued their curiosity, right? Like it's almost like, wow, <laughs> you're, you're joining in with me instead of making me do whatever it is that you want to do. It's a pretty incredible thing to witness. And even if it doesn't look like they're noticing you, I'm sure they absolutely are. They're just not showing it yet. So eventually, though, you, you want to really join them. So not just mirror the parallel play, but actually get in there and do it. So, um, you know, like I said, if they're crashing the car, if you can grab the car once it crashes the tower, because they're not expecting it, so you'll have a couple seconds to grab it, they might put up a stink first, you know, like get a little bit frustrated, make a noise or, or something. But if you do this really, really quickly, grab the car that they've just crashed and throw it or push it really hard so it crashes again, then they they see right away that you're actually joining them in play. You're not taking the car away from them. You're not trying to make them play it in a different way, but you're actually joining and doing the exact same thing that they did. So if your child was spinning, and you started spinning beside them. See if you can maybe grab their hands and spin with them. Or if they don't like touch, you can maybe even spin right close to them and then fall down right in front of them and laugh and see if they notice you and join in. Some like Again, I guess that's kind of getting them to come into your play, but you are starting off doing what it is that they enjoy doing. If they're reciting something, learn what it is. What are they reciting it from? Maybe take a recorder and record what it is that they're saying so that you can learn what it is and, and repeat it with them. So what basically what I've just explained there, um, this way of joining them in their play, in their world, this is basically called the floor time method or the Greenspan floor time approach. I'll just read a little bit from the website uh, basically what the floor time method is. I'll post the link to all the information uh, that I have on the floor time method on the website. Um, I'll just put a link in the website description so you'll see that there on um, any of the podcast platforms as well. So I'll just read from the Greenspan Floor Time Approach website what floor time is. So the Greenspan Floor Time Approach is a system developed by the late Dr. Stanley Greenspan. Floor time meets children where they are and builds upon their strengths and abilities through creating a warm relationship and interacting. It challenges them to go further and to develop who they are rather than what their diagnosis says. In floor time, you use this time with your child to excite her interest, draw her to connect to you, and challenge her to be creative, curious, and spontaneous, all of which move her forward intellectually and emotionally. And as children get older, floor time essentially morphs into an exciting back and forth time of exploring the child's ideas. So for any age child, you do three things. Number one, follow your child's lead, enter the child's world and join in their emotional flow. Number two, challenge her to be creative and spontaneous. And number three is expand the action and interaction to include all or most of her senses and motor skills, as well as different emotions. So as you do all this while staying within her focus, you are helping her practice basic thinking skills, such as engagement, interaction, symbolic thinking, and logical thinking. And to master those skills requires using all of these senses, emotions, and motor skills. 
There are also some books on Amazon, so I'll put the link for those um, in the website description. The other method that we used uh, for Gracie was called relationship development intervention. So now the floor time method also has like DIR in front of it, which stand like so DIR floor time method. Um, and that stands for developmental individual difference relationship model. And then uh, relationship development inter intervention is often known as RDI. So the two, they're not meant to be done together, but if you've been with me for a little while and you've read the blog and you've listened to the podcast, you'll know that we never followed that rule. Um, you know, we get, as parents and caregivers, we're offered and we're shown and we're given a hundred million suggestions of, you know, on therapies and advice and no one can do all of them. Um, and it's not every therapy approach will work for your, your lifestyle or your family. Um, and so I know with the... RDI relationship development intervention program that one is it's supposed to be more intensive and you're just supposed to really focus on that one as opposed to um, joining things together but like I said that just didn't work for us I bought a book on floor time I bought a book on RDI I read them and I took what worked or what I felt would work for us and fit it in that way um, in my opinion, it's better to have all the knowledge and use what you can for your family. Now, in saying that, I'm sure there's something to be said for following the guideline of, um, you know, doing that more intensively, but it worked for us and that's all that we can hope for, right? So, and again, it has to fit with your family because if it doesn't, then we end up not doing it. So remember, just do what you feel you can fit into your family schedule and what best suits your child. And if something isn't working after you've given it a little bit of a go, there's no reason why you can't let it go, right? And try something else. So as far as RDI goes, um, that one is supposed to help your child to have meaningful relationships, reciprocal relationships. And as I mentioned, it's more intensive um, where you should focus on that approach, but... Do what you got to do. <laughs> um, typically, like they ask you to find a qualified um, RDI consultant that actually comes in and works with the family. But we just bought the book, um, and there's actually a couple of books now. It's called um, Relationship Development Intervention with Young Children, and it's written by Stephen Gutstein and Rachel K. Sheely. They have another one that's uh, titled the same RDI uh, for child, no, sorry, children, adolescents, and adults, and I'll put the links for those as well. Um, those books actually have activities in them that you can do with your child. And when I say that we did our DI, it, like we didn't do the whole approach, um, we bought the book and then did some of the activities that were in there and that's actually the one that allowed us to um, get some eye contact from Gracie that's when she first started to actually well I felt like she actually saw us for the first time was when we were doing the activities from there so RDI basically teaches parents how to guide their children and to seek out relationships um, within like everyday meaningful experiences so the parents learn how to support their children with problem-solving um, some social awareness and flexible thinking. It's normally home-based, uh, focusing on the social and emotional skills along with that flexibility piece. Um, but the activities that are in those books can be used at school or um, daycare or home. So again, I just wanted to highlight 
the importance of connection and why I love this part of my job um, as a mom and as a professional. Uh, the Canadian Mental Health Association has a little blurb that talks about the importance of connection um, and how it can affect us in many different ways. So I'm just going to read that for you because I just like the little, the little description that it has. It says, social connection can lower anxiety and depression, help us regulate our emotions, lead to higher self-esteem and empathy, and actually improve our immune system. So just because your child and adult may not appear to be interested in socializing, don't assume that they are happiest on their own. We often do see that, right? We think, oh, they're in their own little world. They don't want to be a part of the classroom. They don't want to engage with their peers. They don't want to engage with their family. They're happier when they're on their own. And I'm not saying that that's not true. Um, it's a lot less uncomfortable for them, especially when we try to engage with them and they are showing that they're upset about it. I'm not saying like get into get in their face where they're very distraught, but you want to gently approach them in their way so that they feel safe and comfortable. It could just be like like I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to socialize. It could just be that they've been trying to fit into a society that's always telling them how they should be rather than embracing the unique gifts that they have to offer the world. So I hope this episode was helpful and I look forward to chatting more about this topic. Uh, so I'm sure I'm, I'm sure we will dive into this more down the road. But please, please share this information with anyone you think might need to hear it. I mean, as I said before, not having any affection or relationship or connection with your child can be devastating for a parent. But it is possible to connect. It just might not be the way you expected it to be. So again, thanks for listening and don't forget... You're not alone.